I'm Joe Beachboard. And I'm Dr. Dennis Davis. And this is Workplace Strategies Update. Dr. Dennis Davis, how Mr. are Joe you? Mr. Joe Beachboard, I am well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Episode number 14. Catorce. Catorce. The Spanish theme continues. Absolutely. Uh, so we are two weeks and one podcast before the big show in Austin on June 24th, 25th. We're stepping it up. We're getting ready here. We got our ties on. Uh, I'm still here, too, by the way. You suggested oh, that was a way to step it up. Yeah. As, well, as still well. time to join us in person or participate remotely. And you don't have to wear a tie. But you can if you want. You I can mean, if you want you to. If you, want. you could if you want to. Yeah, we, we'll even tell you what color ties we're going to wear because apparently we, we match our ties. I think Joe has put a camera in my house. <laughs> I know. Absolutely have not put a camera in your house. But, but you are a snappy dresser that, you know, blue, red. I, it's very nice. Very nice. You did step it up. Thank you, Joe. Anyways, we got a great show today. We have a very good show today. Yeah. Kelly Hughes is joining us from Charlotte, North, North Carolina, to discuss the challenges employers are facing in returning employees to the workplace. Absolutely. And we're going to look at a survey just announced by Ogletree, providing further insights on this topic and much, much more. And, of course, as always, we're going to wrap up with our favorite session, What You Drinking?, I have my bottle right here. And I have my bottle right here. We would like to thank all of you for joining us, whether you're watching on the video or participating via the podcast. If you're on the podcast, be sure to subscribe. We're now available on Spotify. Or Apple or any place where you get your podcasts. Remember that we have four principles to this program, although sometimes Dennis does change them. The four principles are SSWC, which include... Substance. Swag. Content. And wine, All right. leaving out the competition, which is understandable because can you say silver medal in Spanish? Sore winner. <laughs> That's how they say it in Spanish. Okay. Well, okay. You know, two weeks in a row, mm -hmm. things have gotten a lot better. Act like you've been there things before, Joe. gotten a lot better. So uh, last week you had the... I had the calculated risk for risk takers. Yeah, at, with beef ribs. Well, that's what I had it with, but people yeah. can have it with whatever they want to have it with. Yeah, and I had the uh, editorial Cabernet. And we will announce, although I kind of already have announced, we'll, we'll announce who you thought told the best story about their wine. And we will also announce who won a bottle of their choice of those two wines a little later in the show. Remember, there's, there's two ways that you can win. If you're on the video audience, you just vote in the poll after we share our stories with you on this week's wine. If you're in the podcast, just by subscribing, you get included in the bowl. A really big bowl. And from that really big bowl, we will pick one winner each week. And Dennis would love to send you a bottle of wine. It will be coming from Joe. Uh, not this week. Not this week. But maybe next week. Perhaps like you've been there Perhaps before. next week. You know, Dennis, let's start out by talking a little bit about a study that was just released by Ogletree Deacons yes. that benchmarks some of the key issues employers are facing post-pandemic. Yeah, the survey involved interviews with nearly 200 in-house legal and HR decision makers, and there are some fascinating results. Yeah, that's really true. The, the survey is called Strategies, Tactics, and Benchmarks for the Return to Work World, which is kind of our topic for this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, right from the start, I think it's 
fascinating to note that 85%, 85% of the respondents said that they were optimistic about their, their, their company's future. Yeah. And, yeah. and Dennis, is that consistent sort of what you're sensing with the clients you're working with? Absolutely, I'm hearing that every place. I am feeling hopeful about my future with my company. I'm feeling hopeful about my life. I'm hearing that every place I turn, yes. Yeah, and, and you think that's sort of, you know, coming out of some dark days, there's a sense of excitement? Yes, Rejuvenation? Yes, yes. yes. You know, we're, we're, it's springtime. And if you're listening to the reports, we're coming toward uh, the end of the pandemic, and uh, we can come back out again and visit with our families and our friends. Yes, I'm feeling good about things. Uh, yes, I'm hearing a lot of optimism. And so people are excited about getting back together again? Yes, they yeah. are. Yeah. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. like you're excited about doing the show with me? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, Dennis, the survey also found that more than half of the respondents, in, in fact, 55% of the respondents, said that their work culture is different now yeah. than it was before the, the pandemic. Explain that to us. Well, in my head, here's what I think. I think this. Uh, a, we come to work these days and not everyone's here. Uh, some of our colleagues are working remotely. Uh, we're social distancing. Uh, on all the tables and desks, there is hand sanitizer. We're less likely to bring in dozens and dozens of cookies and baked goods and put them in the kitchen to have people grab some with their own hands and stuff like that. So there are little things and some big things that we are seeing differently. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Another thing that I thought was interesting in the study was that 41% agreed with the statement that their staff is more productive, but 43% said they were neutral on that statement and 15% disagreed with it. So there's a lot going on yeah. to unpack in this. Yeah. What, do you, what do you take from that? Well, think about it. Uh, when you ask me what do I think about my effectiveness and my efficiency and my productivity when I'm working remotely, I say, hey, I'm doing a bang up job. Those other people, I'm not sure about them. Uh, so I might be neutral, I might say yes about me and no about other people. But the 15% who said, no, I disagree with that uh, increased or the same level of productivity, what if they're decision makers and they're thinking to themselves, you know, we, we came through this okay, but I don't think we were as productive as we had been or as we'd like to be going forward. I, I can see that, yes. Hmm. Anything that you noted? particularly in the, in the survey? Well, what I found particularly interesting is that 74% of companies plan to use work from home long after the pandemic ends. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's really a stat that jumps out and is one of the reasons why we invited Kelly Hughes to participate on the podcast today. Kelly is a shareholder in our Ogletree's uh, Charlotte office, and she wrote the legal chapters for the book WorkFlex, The Essential Guide to Effective and Flexible Workplaces. And she's going to be speaking on this very topic on the virtual platform at Workplace Strategies. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hey, Kelly. That's right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Kelly, can you tell the audience what the agenda will be for the remote work session and what they can expect as far as substantive topics? Absolutely. So it's going to be the most exciting session of the entire Workplace Strategies Seminar. Uh, we are going to start out with some statistical information and just background information to set the stage. Then we're going to talk about the employment law considerations that folks need to have in mind when they are either rolling out an official uh, remote uh, 
policy, whether it's uh, more formalized now than during the interim period under COVID. But then we're going to talk about tax considerations and not only payroll tax considerations, but probably the stickiest substantive issue that we're encountering right now is a little bit of the disconnect between labor laws and the Internal Revenue Code and what is a business expense. So we'll have our fantastic tax, uh, tax experts explain why we have recommendations now that we split stipends and reimbursements for internet and cell phone. So we're going to delve into those types of things. We're going to talk about tips for drafting policies and other type of documents, um, whether they're checklists or forms for uh, uh, approval. It could be criteria that managers need to keep in mind when they're determining whether they should approve a remote work arrangement and things like that. And then we will go through some recommendations for the rollout and the implementation of the policies. So it's going to be very exciting. Well, if anybody can make tax issues exciting, it's you, Kelly, and your okay. and your and your group for sure. <laughs> now, I know that you and your co speakers they do a lot of work in in this area and so do, do you have a sense for what most employers are doing with respect to the plans for their remote workers in a post-covid vaccine world absolutely and you know it's interesting because as i was thinking about uh, what we would want to cover in the podcast, it was actually before we got the results of that survey, the benchmarking survey. And the benchmarking survey is absolutely reflective of what I see in my day-to-day -day practice. So my anecdotal observations, I, I think of the clients with whom I work primarily in three different buckets. I've got the first group of clients who come and they're like, Kelly, we are, you know, this has been amazing for us. We do not need brick and mortar offices. You know, we may have one location. We're going to be, as soon as our leases are up, we're out of there. And they're moving as many roles to a remote only as possible. So that's the first kind of group of clients with whom I work. The second, probably the largest group are those individuals who are allowing individuals to continue working remotely, but typically on a hybrid schedule. And they're trying to, you know, find what is the sweet spot that's legally compliant, but also fits within our culture. So that I would say that has been probably the biggest group. And then I have a smaller group of clients who are very, very resistant to remote work, even after the pandemic, and they want to get back to the pre-COVID world to the extent that that is possible. And again, I think that's a small group of employers, but uh, that there is that small contingency there. And that seems to, that seems to mirror the results from the benchmarking survey. Very interesting. So what are the most challenging scenarios you've been facing lately in your practice related to remote work? So very recently, I have had multiple clients call me in a complete panic, usually, uh, usually laced with profanity. What do we do? Our CEO just announced a quote, work from anywhere policy. And they said it's gonna be coming or, or rolling out within the next month. And the, you know, the CEOs or COOs or other high level executives that made these announcements uh, they just do not understand the um, they, the legal ramifications of doing so. So with those particular situations, the, the goal has really been to not only help navigate through the legal ramifications, but also help them address the very, very delicate uh, and, and tricky business politics that arise because, you know, some in some situations, 
we end up being able to tweak the messaging and the plans. But in other situations, even once um, everybody's fully apprised and all the stakeholders understand, okay, well, if we really want people to work from everywhere, we're gonna have a myriad of issues. And those are tax issues, international issues, paid sick leave laws, all these different things that they may not have thought of, but we have the resources. And what we do is just connect those and say, all right, if that's what we're doing, let's get you compliant and make sure that you can minimize risk. So that has been the most challenging really for, for our client main client contacts. And that uh, definitely presents the most challenges, I'd say. Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult situation for sure. Kelly, um, if you were to provide one takeaway that mm -hmm. those would have coming out of your session, what would that be? So I think the the main goal, the main takeaway, we want the attendees to be able to issue spot. However, we want them to be able to go one step beyond that. They can go back to their teams and the stakeholders and say, look, here's what I learned. Here are all the employment laws and the tax considerations that we need to keep in mind and why it's important that we do so. And, oh, and here are some ideas and tips for how we can craft our policies that fit within our culture. So they're compliant, but they also fit within the individual culture that we have um, as an entity because every entity's employment culture is very, very different. So it really needs to be, we have to have the compliance piece, but if it doesn't fit within the messaging uh, that the client has, then, then it's just not gonna work. So we hope that they will be armed with this information so that they can then go back and have really, really productive and engaging conversations to get these policies off the ground. Because a lot of times th this particular topic is very time sensitive uh, as individuals are returning to work. So that's Kelly, the goal. That's. Uh... That's a lot, uh, but it's going to be a great session and a great program. And thank you so much for helping with the design of that topic for Workplace Strategies. And thank you so much for joining us here today to share a few of your insights on this uh, issue of remote work. We really You're appreciate very it. You're welcome. Good to see thank you, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Good to see you guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dennis, that was some great information on such an important topic. Absolutely. This is a big issue. Any other interesting findings from the new Ogletree survey? Yeah, you know, I think a couple other things we might want to talk about. How about this? Only 7.6% of companies are leaning toward requiring their employees be vaccinated to work, return to work. 88% said they're not going to do that. Does that surprise you? That absolutely surprises me. Absolutely surprising to me. But, but I, I, now that I think about it, it's surprising to me. But I guess employers are saying, look, you know what? Uh, we don't want to alienate employees. Uh, we don't want to deal with their uh, trust issues with uh, turning their information over to us, I guess. I don't know, but that does surprise me. Hmm. I noticed that 86% of respondents said multi-state compliance is a challenge. Does that surprise you? Well, only surprises me in that it wasn't 100% because that is a huge issue for employers and it's only getting more complicated with each new state law that gets passed. This, yeah. is, this is a big challenge for HR, big challenge for in-house counsel to deal with all these state and local rules and laws. It's a, it's a big issue. Interesting. And on a high note, high risk that is, what did the survey say about that? Well, um, not surprisingly, they said that wage and hour claims were considered to, to be the biggest risk of liability. And, I, and that was cited by 33% of 
the respondents. The next highest was discrimination claims, which traditionally you would have thought might have been the biggest concern, but that was only cited by 12.5% of the groups. So, you know, that, that's, that's significant. And you know what else is significant? What's that, Joe? Our wine competition. So last week, Dennis, you had the... I had the calculated risk. A very nice blend for those who are willing to take risks. Yeah. I had the editorial uh, cabernet that uh, brought the beauty of words to wine. And, uh, well, did you, did you come up with how to say silver medal in Spanish yet? Uh, poor winner? <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Well, the winner, Barbara Axmacher, Dr. Dennis Davis... Hi, Barbara. You'll be getting a bottle of wine from me very shortly. That uh, cellar of yours is getting a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, this week we have uh, two very, very, very different wines. Very different wines. So, um, you know, Dennis, I kind of I, I challenged the concept that you had to go second to win and went first and, you know, was, was able to sneak out a a little bit of a of a win. You eked one out, Joe. Yeah. Act did, like you've been there. Before. Did you did you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Doesn't matter. What, what do you prefer, Joe? Oh, I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel strongly. You know. Okay, I mean, then you've you, got you, a, you go first. You've then. got a beautiful bottle of wine there. You should you should probably go second. So if you like. Okay, you go I'll, first. I'll go first. So you know, those of you that watch this show know that Dennis focuses on food. I've been focusing more on wine, and content and workplace strategies. And this week, I have a special wine, like the last two weeks, that tied it all together. As we get closer and closer to the program, my wines bring together the spirit of workplace strategies. This is TP Reserve Wine. If you're listening on the podcast, you got to go on the website and look at TP Reserve Wine, because as you would suggest, on the label, there are rolls of toilet papers. Now, you might think this is a joke. And it is kind of funny, given what we went through with the quarantine and finding paper towels and finding toilet paper. But they have turned their lightness with respect to toilet paper into fine wine. And if you go to their website, as I suggested, you will see some of the very fun stuff that they've done. It's, it's really worth a visit, as you can see on their website. But this is a quality Napa Red blend, and at $35, it is a great buy. You know, at Workplace Strategies, we take the content very serious, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And so, too, at TP Reserve. Have some fun with your wine. Have your fun with your bottles and vote for TP. That was nice, Joe. That was very nice. You know, Joe was right. When I tell my stories, I tend to focus on pairings and food. I have a simple thing this week to say to you. No frills, no fuss, no muss, no videos. Just eat, drink, and be merry. This is Camus. A better Cabernet, I dare you to find.
That's it? That's all I need to say. Okay. Okay. Well, um, it's a, it is a beautiful bottle. It's a beautiful bottle. Oh, you're agreeing with me this time. Normally, you don't let me comment on I don't want you to comment on your wine. But, well, uh, those of you that are watching on the video, you now have the, the opportunity to decide which story you prefer. You can vote for the TP wine or the Camus wine, and then one person will get to choose whichever bottle that they want from these two two bottles. And uh, we'll announce the results next week. So we're just a couple weeks away, Dennis. Yes, and we look forward to seeing everybody in Austin in person or virtually. That's right. Two weeks, one more podcast. You only get to do one podcast with me, Dennis. This is kind of a sad, sad day. Oh, don't you, you believe that? You know, I can, I can see the <laughs> don't pain. Don't you believe that I can that see the pain all. on your face only one more time. I'm doing a here. countdown to the happy dance. In the, in the, <laughs> do we get to see the happy dance? Happy dance. Will you do that? It's next, coming. Next week? It's coming. Well, that's worth t- tuning in. And until then, I'm Joe Beachport. And I'm Dr. Dennis Davis. And this has been Workplace Strategies Update.